Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for a three-part mini-series on well-being and resiliency in pharmacy education. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as members share successful strategies on wellness and resiliency in both of their personal and professional lives. My name is Amber Douglas. I'm a mental health pharmacist practitioner for the Clinical Resource Hub in Vision One in the VA. I'm also a member of ASHP's Section Advisory Group on Postgraduate Education and Learning Experiences, and I'm excited to introduce this podcast series. This will be a three-part conversation with experienced pharmacy educators, well-being leaders, and recent participants in ASHP's Well-Being Ambassador Program. This session is part one of the series and will focus on well-being and resiliency from a preceptor's perspective. I will now turn it over to our moderator for this session. My name is Carly Warner, the Research and Education Preceptor and Assistant Residency Program Director at Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me today is Blake Porter, a pharmacist clinician in emergency medicine and PGY-1 and emergency medicine PGY-2 residency program coordinator at the University of Vermont Medical Center. Let's get started talking about today's topic, well-being and resiliency in pharmacy education. Thanks for joining us today, Blake. I'm excited to hear about your perspectives on well-being and resiliency as a pharmacy preceptor. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Carly. Uh, Appreciate all you guys do. Awesome. Well, let's get started with our questions. And I want to start off with a question about your journey. What prompted you to get involved with well-being and resilience initiatives, specifically as a preceptor? Yeah, I think, you know, the probably the easiest answer to this is really my own experience with, um, you know, burnout and, and specifically imposter syndrome. That really was throughout school, uh, residency, and even the first few years uh, working in emergency medicine. Um, I was lucky enough to have some mentors throughout that journey uh, that I, you know, I really held in high regard. And at the time, it felt like uh, I wasn't going to be as competent as them. You know, you're you're a trainee and looking at these like really established pharmacists, and um, it was intimidating at the time. Um, you know, I I uh, wanted to get there, but I, I wasn't sure if I I ever could. Um, and I, I don't think I really understood imposter syndrome at that time. Um, but I think you know, as I learn more about that, um, I realized that it was actually probably a major driver in what was uh, sending me into my own burnout. Um, As I began learning more and more about it, I realized, uh, you know, how much that imposter syndrome had impacted me and really how, you know, the first few years, especially being in the M pharmacist, it probably wasn't sustainable. I was trying to get involved in too much and just felt like, again, I had to really get there, um, like where my mentors were. Um, so I think the exposure to some of these topics really uh, caused me to shift how I think about my work. And then really, hopefully that affected, you know, those learners that come through the ER with me on rotation. Because, um, you know, the ER can be a really busy place, uh, high rates of burnout. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a paper published by Riziki and colleagues in 2020 that you know, identified EM pharmacists, and there was almost 500 respondents, and uh, upwards of 70% of the respondents actually had some form of burnout. And, um, 
you know, at least half of them were experiencing something called depersonalization, which actually before that paper, I'd never heard of. Uh, and it, you know, it's basically a distorted perception of oneself or others and ends up being really a lack of empathy. And I, I feel like that really, I, I, I identified with that. Um, and, you know, with, with these, these papers that came out, it made me realize um, how much this stuff was impacting me. And, you know, really, this is, I think, what actually prompted my, um, my interest in, you know, getting involved with well-being and, and really being um, someone that, I, you know, I feel like impacts my, especially my learners, my students and residents that come on rotation with me. Well, thank you for sharing that, Blake. It's helpful to hear not only your personal story, but the evidence behind it. I feel like as preceptors, we're always stressing an evidence-based approach. So yeah. um, that's another question for you. How have you expanded your understanding of this topic and what educational programs or resources have been most helpful in your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you were saying, <clears throat> I think as a clinician, we always just fall back to the evidence. Um, sometimes it's a little dry, but I think I think that was really one of the biggest things that um, really opened my eyes to this area um, in, in burnout um, specifically. You know, um, just really seeing that others experience this at such a high rate um, within their own disciplines, again, outside of pharmacy and within pharmacy, you realize you're really not alone. And I think what's really been helpful, actually, is ASHP's own website on well-being. They have that resource page that's, uh, you know, offers up some good uh, webinars and other resources that you can identify some tactics to take back. And again, specifically talking about my rotations, my residents that come through and really applying them to their experience. So, you know, they're getting a really good clinical experience, but also hopefully um, feeling more empowered by knowing that they can kind of make self-care and their well-being and resilience an important factor throughout their experience. Uh, the resources on ASHP's website are, you know, super, uh, super helpful. Um, you can pull up on the win and really like they're available for anyone, which I, I found actually really great. So, you know, anybody, if you're a member or not, can actually access these resources. So I think it really demonstrates that ASHP is making this a priority for um, for everyone. I, I think another uh, aspect that I like to, to go to really is CEs. Um, so we had a emergency medicine conference up in Stowe for our emergency medicine department, Stowe, Vermont. Um, and they actually invited a residency program director from uh, New York City, actually, from the medical side of things. And, you know, she spoke, she, she's an experienced RPD that uh, runs a really busy emergency medicine program in New York City. And she she really talked about her own experience with uh, imposter syndrome and, and burnout. And listening to this type of talk makes you realize that these issues related to well-being and resiliency can affect really people at any point in their career, um, learner to leader. And so I think a lot of these talks, they, they include strategies on kind of how to uh, help you, you know, take, take them back to your own daily life and, and change things and, and change things for your uh, learners as well that you're precepting. And, and then lastly, I've used my own role as a preceptor to help me expand my knowledge of residents' um, well-being and resiliency as well as my own. We had uh, one of our pharmacist clinicians actually go through the ambassador program through ASHP um, last year, and he helped develop a well-being and resiliency committee 
which I think kind of put everything to the forefront for us, right? So that we could develop a curriculum around, you know, learning about these different topics with well-being and resiliency, burnout, imposter syndrome. And I actually lead the discussion for imposter syndrome myself. Um, and I use this as an opportunity to, you know, stay up to date on the topic. Um, I think teaching others is one of the best ways to to learn a topic yourself. And so I, I use the, that as an opportunity to drive my own uh, well-being and resilience. And then in really just talking with our residents, um, getting to, you know, share the experiences of what they're feeling and also sharing your own experiences, I think, can go a long way for, for everyone. And then that last, that, that committee also really puts on a lot of uh, events outside of just our, you know, typical topic discussions and everything we always do as preceptors and just get everybody out and, and available to um, you know, be outside the the work walls and and hang out and get to I think know each other um, also goes a long way. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have a fabulous well being and resiliency community within your practice that has benefited from some of the great resources offered by ASHP, like the Ambassador Program. Uh, I too completed that program last year, and our preceptor group at Shepherd Center is um, compete completing it this spring and um, summer together as a group. So um, I know how helpful it's been for us. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you incorporate well-being and resiliency principles uh, for yourself and for your learners? Yeah, I think this is uh, probably one of the hardest questions to answer um, because it can be a little nebulous. It can be a little different for every person. And, um, you know, I think we spend so much time talking about these principles and how to identify them. And then, and then it's, where does the rubber meet the road? How do we, uh, you know, really figure out what to do? I think for myself, it's making things habitual. I work in a, you know, a pretty chaotic and dynamic environment every day. And it's uh, definitely easy to let time slip away. So I, I really make sure at the end of each shift, I give myself uh, a little time to decompress, just no work talk, no work thoughts, um, just kind of get that separation that that I need. And you know, from a personal standpoint, I, one thing that me and my wife actually do every week is uh, we give each other uh, one morning. So like she gets Saturday, I get Sunday and we have a, you know, a son. So whoever's morning, it's not, we have to watch the sun and then the other gets to, you know, go do whatever they want. They can, they can do chores if they really feel inclined, um, go out and uh, enjoy the outdoors. Uh, and I think just like scheduling in those little breaks, again, have your own time really helps to kind of allow that, um, you know, de-stressing and, and getting yourself out of that, that mode of just constant work and trying to do, you know, everything all the time. Um, I like to keep a strong social circle just to decompress. And then I actually picked up fly fishing and um, improved on my snowboarding. So getting out outdoors definitely, definitely helps me. You know, I will say from uh, a learner standpoint, uh, moving moving to Vermont, I'm not originally from here, but I, you know, after we moved here, I realized how ingrained well-being and resiliency principles are just in the culture up here, outside of work. It, it's just up here, people really um, strive to get that work-life balance. And so I, I think at the hospital, it was always, already somewhat ingrained. Um, and that just trickles down to you know, our residency programs, our, our rotations, our learners. And I think it's made it actually fairly easy to incorporate, you know, just de-stressing time, getting, getting out, um, like I said, outside the work walls and getting to know others outside of a professional capacity. 
things that we do, you know, just from my standpoint on a rotation, we always do feedback sessions, but they're focused on keeping things positive. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I think when I first started, I was always providing a lot of feedback every week to the, to the residents and the students. And, you know, it's kind of turned to just what do we need to do to get, um, you know, the next week that you're on rotation with me, uh, where you want to be, uh, and the experience, how do we want to change the experience to get you what you need? And it's, it's gotten less about, you know, me providing them feedback. And I think that's really changed how the residents view the, especially the dynamic uh, emergency medicine rotation. And then a lot of times those sessions just turn into us talking in general about like, you know, life, how's things going? What'd you do this weekend? And I think breaking down those those walls and those barriers can be really helpful for our learners, um, you know, to realize that we're all people and we're, uh, you know, we, we have this professional side of us and we want to be successful, but you also have to take the time for yourself and, and live your life as well. I, you know, I, I think... Uh, other things to do is debriefing. So if you see tough cases while you're on rotation, especially from my my standpoint, really talking to them about uh, that tough case, you know, how did it affect you? And then I think the biggest thing we can do as preceptors is really identify when the residents are juggling multiple projects. I think that's the biggest thing that I see where uh, residents really get burnt out, students really get burnt out is you know, they have a lot of competing interests. Um, they're on my rotation, they're doing their research project, they have an MUE, they're writing some paper up. Um, and we as that clinical rotation preceptor may not see all of that. And I think, you know, really understanding what their schedule looks like, so that you can give them breaks, you can allow them to, you know, kind of create some of their own schedule so that they can get those things done, also not feeling too overwhelmed while they're on on shift. Um, and then, you know, lastly, what we do for our learners is uh, like one little thing we do is a barbecue at the end of the year, um, get everybody out. Uh, there's no agenda. We're not talking about work. It's all about eating ribs and brisket and sitting outside in June when everybody's almost done with the residency year and, and just hang out and have a good time. I think that goes a long way for those guys that, you know, have had a long year. Oh, I could definitely go for some barbecue right now. Would not <laughs> say no to that. <laughs> or June. It could be June anytime for me. Um, and you're right. Creating and maintaining space for well-being and resiliency is an important habit to establish as a learner and strengthen as a clinician and educator. What would you say is the biggest well-being and resiliency misconception or challenge that you have experienced so far? Yeah, it's not not so much a misconception, but I, I think just a challenge. And this is something that, you know, I've dealt with and I also see in our our, our uh, residents and students. It's really just the kind of ebbs and flows of well-being and resilience and, and burnout specifically. You know, when you make well-being and your own resiliency to things a, a priority, it becomes a lot easier to get a handle on it and really get a handle on your own self-care. And right, I, yeah, we talked about being habitual. It's easy. You once you kind of get the momentum, you fall into those good habits that boosts everything: your mental health, your productivity. Um, but just as easy it comes, ju uh, just as easy as it goes. It's you know sometimes difficult to predict. Um, but life gets busy, work gets busy. We are going through a once in a century pandemic, um, and you fall back into these old ways um, that led you to that burnout in the first place, and. You know, it's something that I've dealt with personally and 
really have to work at it as it comes up. So, you know, that, I think that gets back to that kind of just self-recognition of when you when you realize you're getting burnt out. And it's something that I like to make sure that students and residents are prepared for. I think having aware an awareness uh, of uh, your own well-being, your burnout, um, uh, it makes you better prepared to really deal with it, you know, in a positive way as it pops up. And I think that gets back to resiliency. From a preceptor standpoint, I think it's important for learners to really understand that, you know, your own well-being and ability to be resilient will change by the week, the semester, every rotation, and, you know, even the year. And uh, I think keeping it at the forefront, keeping it a priority, um, you know, makes makes you uh, uh, better prepared for that changing landscape with it. Um, build in those habits um, really to maintain your well-being and resiliency and you know, that looks different for every student and resident. And it's really important to find what works for you. I can't say that enough. Again, that's where the I think the rubber meets the road, but everyone's going to be a little different. Developing, you know, mentor-mentee relationships. I, th- I know those have helped me personally. Finding support with your social circles and work circles, exercise, getting outdoors. If you don't know what works for you, then continue to just try new things until you do. And maybe your thing is trying new things. Who knows? I, I've I found personally well-being with my family and friends and getting outdoors, like I said. And these really help me keep a, a relaxed demeanor and a sense of purpose. And it gives me that ability to adapt to the, you know, the roller coaster of well-being and resiliency. And if you can apply these principles to your everyday life, you know, your learner will see that. And if you get good at it, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm, you know, affecting our learners and and really showing them how to apply these things to their daily lives as well. I think that's that's fabulous. Like you said, life does. It ebbs and flows. And just knowing that that's a natural part of life and of the residency year and it brings it all together. Um, right. Could you leave us maybe with your parting advice uh, specifically for other preceptors out there wanting to improve their well-being and resiliency? Yeah, um, you know, I'll keep it relatively short and sweet. I think first we can all be ambassadors, well-being and resiliency, you know, formally and informally. So uh, we have some formal things within our our work uh, uh, and in our department, specifically here at, you know, University of Vermont Medical Center. But just informally as well, doing those little things throughout the day to make sure that people know um, you're checking in, you care about them, and we're all pretty much in this together. I think the more of us that, you know, keep these principles in mind, the better we all do. And then second, you know, I I think I've said this pretty much throughout uh, this time that we've been talking, Carly, but do what you have to do to keep it at the forefront of your daily life um, and really make it habitual. Um, If you get good at self-recognition and then also recognizing signs of burnout in those those around you, your learners, your peers, your colleagues, you know, if you're really good at it, I think that's how you tackle it. Um, If you do identify it, you know, speak up, change it up, and, and do something different to really break that cycle. And that's, that'll look different for everyone. Yeah. Breaking the cycle is such a powerful concept. And I think often in my own training, I thought of well-being as something for after residency. So it's exciting now to be on the other side and having this conversation to, as you said, speak up and change it up. I'm definitely walking away with a great list of ways to keep well-being at the forefront. Thank you, Blake. Thanks, Carly. Thanks for having me.
That is all the time we have for today. I want to thank our speaker for joining us to discuss well-being in pharmacy education. And if you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to visit wellbeing.ashp.org, where you can learn more about our partnership with the National Academy of Medicine resources to promote wellness and strategies to manage burnout. Please be sure to join us here each month for more on wellness and resilience. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.